So I'm David, uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm the rector here at St. George's, and uh, I feel like I'm very loud, but maybe that's just me in my echo in the monitors, I'm not sure. Um, I'm just going to keep talking. Um, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, last Christmas, as I said, we weren't here in person. Um, well, some of us were. We, we filmed the service, and um, I thought I'd, I'd let you into a little secret. Um, would you like that this evening? Um, which is that as we filmed the services, um, I discovered that I'm not very good when I haven't actually got a congregation here. And um, uh, the, the people that were filming have enough uh, outtakes of me making mistakes that I now must do nothing wrong uh, in St. George's for the rest of however long I'm here for, um, because they've got hours of footage of me trying to say blessings and getting it wrong. And one of the things is... Um, Trying to keep a straight face, I shouldn't say this now because we're going to sing this song later and I can just see this going wrong, but if it does, you'll just enjoy it and say, that was the year when he, yeah, he dug a big hole for himself and made it bigger. But um, I couldn't sing while shepherds washed, watched, <laughs> watched their flocks by night. I couldn't do it. Um, do you remember some of you that were here filming? Um, I'm sure that the footage will appear uh, at some point soon. Um, but I don't know about you. Uh, when I think about the shepherds, I just think of all the alternative versions I know of while shepherds washed their socks by night and hung them on the line. The angel of the Lord came down and said, those socks are mine. The shepherds um, are perceived as a bit of a joke for many people. If you were going to pick someone to come to, a, a people group, uh, probably shepherds would be uh, at the bottom of your list. And yet, uh, as we think of Jesus' birth, we know that his birth was for everybody. And he came as the Savior. And so that leaves us with a question. Jesus' birth for everybody. The shepherds were the outcasts. They were the forgotten. Uh, they were living um, kind of on, on the edge. They weren't, it wasn't like they were in the town. Uh, they were kind of out in the, in the desert. And the desert in Israel um, is, is not kind of like, if you picture a desert, you probably think of like the Sahara Desert and just loads of sand and, and sand. Uh, but the desert in Israel, there is some, some stuff there growing, um, some foliage, there are some tiny streams. Uh, so it's not completely desolate, but fairly, uh, fairly barren kind of um, land. And, um, and, and so the de they would live out there in the desert with their, um, with their sheep, um, keeping watches, uh, keeping watches in, in the plural. So um, only one of them would, need, would have needed to be awake at a time. Uh, there may have been a few of them that would come together. They'd have several uh, flocks of sheep that they were watching over. Um, I'm going to say socks again at some point by mistake, aren't I? Uh, but they had several flocks of sheep that they were watching over, and, um, and one of them would, would watch while the others slept, and, and that's kind of what they did. So they kind of had each other's backs. But they had a bad reputation as a people group. Uh, the nature of their calling um, and their vocation and their work kept them from keeping the ceremonial laws, which meant so much to religious people at the time. Uh, one of the commentators says it's not unlikely that the shepherds uh, would have been um, looking after flocks that were destined to be sacrificed in the temple. So the flocks were supposed to be only kept in the wilderness 
And um, the rabbinic rule um, at the time provides that any animal that's found somewhere between Jerusalem and a spot near Bethlehem, which is about eight or nine kilometers away, it's not that far, but anyone in that kind of nine kilometer range um, must be a sacrificial victim. So that's where the, the sheep were going. Um, they would be going um, to, to be a temple sacrifice. The shepherds, despite this work, were the first ones to hear the good news that Jesus was to be born. It's significant not so much because of who they were, but because of who they weren't. They weren't kings or rulers or officials or religious leaders or wise academics. They all come later. The shepherds are at the bottom of the pile. And it was perhaps a precursor for Jesus' own knack of subverting the received understanding that people had in the world. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago, in fact, Sunday, I think it was, um, about the upside-downness of the kingdom of God we see in the Magnificat at the start of Luke's gospel. Jesus would grow up to hang out with tax collectors, outcasts, singers, uh, sinners, maybe they were singers too, sinners, and, um, and fishermen. It's going to keep going all night now, isn't it? I'm going to keep saying words wrong. Why wouldn't shepherds be involved in the start of the story? And of course, the town of David referred to the David who became a king, but started life as a... Thank you. So there's already a precedent for shepherds to play a big part in the biblical narrative, and they aren't as unlikely a choice as it might seem. The 23rd Psalm speaks of the Lord God as a shepherd, leading his people on to still waters and restoring their souls. And Jesus came to restore and liberate all people he sets the captives free, as Luke's gospel will pick up in just a few chapters, where Jesus will unroll the scroll of Isaiah, and he will claim to be the Messiah, Luke chapter 4. He came that all may be restored, put back, as it were, to how God wanted them to be, and to who God wanted them to be. Jesus came for everybody, and the angels appearing to the shepherds, the lowest of the low, the most ordinary of the ordinary. That underlines the point that Jesus came for everyone. This was no longer just about the special religious people who were in the temple doing the sacrifices. These were the people who were looking after the sheep that were gonna be sacrificed. So he came for everyone and he came as savior. He was born because the world and everyone in it is in need of a savior. I don't know what you think, uh, if you watch the news at this time of year, um, they like to show the esteemed leaders of the world uh, and their speeches. Have you, have you seen any of them? Um, I won't ask you if you remember what they said, but um, I watched a bit of the, the Justin Trudeau one today, um, and he was talking a bit about hope. Um, and. Uh, the, um, the Boris Johnson one, um, who is, as far as I know, still somehow prime minister in, in Great Britain. Um, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> um, 
And, uh, and, and he was actually talking about Jesus. And the Queen's message, which typically comes out on Christmas Day but is pre-recorded, uh, year by year, um, you could say she talks more and more about the Christian faith and what part that plays in her life. But it's not these kinds of leaders that the world needs. They can hopefully help us and lead us through climate change crises as we uh, redraw the map of what the, um, the world will look like, literally. But they're not saviors. There's lots of titles for Jesus. Uh, you can see them made out just behind me in the, um, on the wall, some of them there. Uh, the King of Heaven the shepherd himself, the good shepherd. Lord, Jesus' Jesus Lord is a title that's used a lot. Jesus is a savior. He has come, Emmanuel, God with us, to save us. Jesus comes to do the unexpected, so he's born in an unexpected place, and those who first saw him didn't expect him to be born there. It wasn't a private hospital as you know, um, you might expect a baby who would grow up to be king to be born in today. It was the dirt of a stable, or more likely a cave, to be honest, um, in a bed full of hay. A manger, though, isn't the strangest place to um, lay a baby, however. Um, the word crib is actually the old English word for manger. So there you go. Jesus' birth was no doubt the most amazing gift that had ever been given to those shepherds. They were outcasts living in the hills. They weren't expecting that he'd show up. They didn't ask for a savior. They just were okay with their lot, you know? I realize that sometimes in, in other places, people um, don't expect everything to work perfectly. We live in a culture where we expect everything is going to work perfectly. And if it doesn't, we get quite angry. Only have to look at people when they drive cars and, and, and the whole thing of, uh, you know, the, when the lane is going to merge in. And, and there's that whole discussion as you're driving next to someone else as who's right? <laughs> who has right of way? Um, and it's really hard to work out who has right of way. So normally it's just whoever is slightly more bold or pushy. Um, is, is the one that merges in. But as we go through our life, we have these expectations and they irritate us. We have to imagine the culture that these shepherds lived in. They had no expectations. They expected that they would be poor, that they would be rich and they would be poor. And they were poor and that was, that was their lot. They weren't expecting a savior and they hadn't asked for one. And so they were utterly terrified by the angels telling them that Jesus would be born as a savior to them. I won't make you do it um, unless you feel you want to at this time of night, but um, at the four o'clock service when we had our interactive nativity, uh, there was a sign um, that we had to do when the word shepherd would, was used, and we had to go, ah, and kind of sound like a shepherd being afraid. Um, I won't make you do it now. But they, but they, they had that, um, they were terrified. They were completely terrified. Telling them that Jesus would be born as a savior to them. 
Jesus came for everybody, and in the shepherds, we see something of ourselves, because often we don't expect Jesus will have an impact on our lives. We haven't asked God to send Jesus to save us from our sins, and because it's not normal for most of us to see a host of angels singing to us, maybe we see one or two of them, but you don't normally see a whole host of angels singing, um, then we're fairly likely to simply ignore Jesus. And yet at Christmas, we talk about Jesus being the greatest gift that God's given to us, coming as our Savior, the one who will save us. To save us from what? To save us from being separated from God forever. It's a familiar message, and if you've been to church before, I hope you have heard this before. I'm not telling you anything new. But yet, at Christmas, it's like this reset. When we come and we reset ourselves, where we stand still for a moment, and we remember. We remember the reason for the season, as they say. We remember that it's about Jesus coming to be a savior, to save us from those things which separate us from God. There was a, um, a dieting program, and a church I used to be in had a lot of people who did this particular dieting program. It was quite successful. And what they basically did is they had something called a sin count, but they spelled sin, S-Y-N. Um, and uh, you may have heard of it, I don't know. But, um, and so what they'd say is you, could, you, you were allowed a certain number of sins per day. And providing you had a certain number of sins per day, um, then you would achieve whatever weight loss you, you were going for. And, um, and so depending on the kind of cake or cookie or biscuit or brownie, there would be allocated different numbers of sin points. And I think when we think about society, uh, um, the way we see the word sin, either it's this weird religious word or it's associated with cake. <laughs> and I have found that the reality is cake is not a sin. But if I eat too much of it, I do feel the need to go running. And sometimes uh, if you ever do, uh, there's a coffee shop now that started putting the calorie counts. Isn't that terrible? They put the calorie counts on, so you go there and decide, do I want a muffin or a brownie? And I think, well, if I have a muffin, I've got to go on a 5K run. But if I have a brownie, it's a 10K, so I'm going to go for the muffin. And if it's a blueberry, that's one of my fruits a day, you know. Um, but anyhow, I digress. Um, but the point is, when we hear the word sin, I think a lot of us start to associate it with stuff like that. With ice creams, that magnum, don't they come in the seven deadly sins? Simply put, sin is a separation between us and God, and Jesus came with arms outstretched on the cross and bridged the gap between God and us. He came to be our Savior. Jesus came to be our Savior, to rejoin us with God now, in the here and now, for the rest of our time on earth and for eternity. And that's the good news we speak about. On our sign, it says we're here to live and share the good news of Jesus. The living is about the now. And it is also 
about eternity. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to admit we need help. I'm hopeless. Um, I need to stop telling stories because I have to stop talking at some point. But, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that, that I'm absolutely hopeless when it comes to asking for help. I would sooner get lost and drive around for an hour in the wrong direction than stop and ask someone, do they have a map? Um, I, I, just, I just don't like asking for help. Um, and I think that for many of us, that's how we see Jesus. It has to be really bad before we ask for help. It can be hard to submit to Christ as our savior, as our Lord, as our King. Everything about us in the world is set up to encourage us to see ourselves as the center of the world. It's about what we can buy so that we can be better people, so that we can impress others, so that we can improve our lives, and a kind of constant competition for greatness, as it were. But to see Christ as Savior, we must be humble. The shepherds were humble people. They were humble because they had no choice. For us, it can be hard because we have to choose to be humble. It was no doubt drummed into them from a young age that they weren't important. The social prejudice they experienced would mean that they wouldn't have an issue realizing they needed a savior because they knew their place in society. I suppose as we think about Jesus being savior of the world, the question we need to ask is what does that mean for us? Are we prepared for the first time or again to humble ourselves and kneel down before the King of heaven and confess the things that we have done wrong, the things that form a wedge that separate us from God? Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that God's given to us, but you won't find him wrapped up in a box under your tree tomorrow morning. You find him in the dark of the night in a church on the eastern side of Maple Ridge, in the peace, in the stillness, in the noise, in the song, in the word, in the Bible. My question when I read the Bible and my question I want to leave you with tonight is so what? So what? The reason that's my favorite question when I read the Bible is because I always want to say, well, what does it mean to me? What do I need to do with this? Is it going to have an impact on my life? Verse 16 of, uh, of Luke chapter 2, the shepherds hurried off to meet him. Their response was that sense of dropping everything and running, not to burn off their blueberry cheesecake muffin, but to run and see the baby who had been born, the savior that had been born to them. There are not many things that I think we drop everything and run for. And probably if we were to run away from something now, it would be bad because there was you know, an evacuation order or, or something um, coming. Um, I downloaded the Canada Weather app. It's exhausting. Every hour today, I've got another notification. Uh, has anyone else done this? And, and <laughs> because it tells you every time there's a new alert, an Arctic wind alert, a snow alert. It tells you when they start and when they finish. And if you do what I've done, which is I've looked at more than one place, I start getting them for all sorts of places. <laughs> so I need to fix that. 
but um, I've digressed again. Um, there's not many things uh, in a positive way that we drop everything and run for. For the shepherds, watching their sheep in the fields near Bethlehem, they were told that the Savior of the world had been born to them that night. They just had to go and see him. And they dropped everything, and they went straight away. I kind of wonder, what did they do with their sheep? Like, did they just leave them in the fields, or did they go along too? Obviously, in all the picture books, the, the, the sheep go along too. The shepherd's response was to go and to find Jesus. They'd been told what to look for. They would know that it was him because he'd be lying in a manger like the one uh, on my right, on your left at the front of the church. He would be wrapped in cloths. There probably weren't that many babies in Bethlehem that night, and it would be unlikely that more than one would be sleeping in a feeding trough. So knowing what they were looking for, the everyday ordinary shepherds that represent all of us, they went and they found the baby lying in a manger. The shepherd's response to what they'd been told by the angels was, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They saw Jesus. It says in verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherd's response was radical, it was immediate, it no doubt changed their entire perspective on life. And so the question I want to leave you with tonight, for all of us to think about, is how do we respond? So what do we do with the good news of Jesus that is for us, for you, and for me? When you hear those words of, of Luke 2, chapter, uh, verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What do you think? We're probably in a few different camps. Some people have heard it before and go, yep, and amen. Other people think, yep, I know that, but I'd kind of like to step in and know it more. Others might be discovering it for the first time. However it is that you choose to respond, uh, I want to encourage you to do that this Christmas, to know that Jesus is ready. He's ready when you want to pray and talk to him. He's ready whether you are someone that does that all the time, whether you're someone that's never met Jesus, or whether you're like many, somewhere in between. The shepherds hurried off to meet Jesus. That sense of dropping everything was their response. How can we respond to the good news of Jesus, whether it's for the first time or for the however manyth time afresh? I'm going to pray as I finish. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for the gift of this narrative in Luke's gospel. We thank you that as you came to the shepherds, uh, you represent, they represent all of us. Lord, help us this Christmas and as we go into the new year 
to think afresh for ourselves how we will respond to the good news that you bring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.